Hello, hello, and welcome back to another Fluently Forward episode. Guys, I'm really excited for this one because we are going to be talking about White Lotus, comma, parentheses, season two, mostly. Now, I started watching this show, I have to be honest, because it was all over my TikTok feed, and I am so glad I got into it. I missed season one. I watched some recap episodes on YouTube, so I would know kind of what I was talking about for today. But let me tell you, you don't have to see season one to enjoy season two, and enjoy it, I did. I am currently recording on the 7th, so stay tuned to the end, because after the finale happens this upcoming Sunday, I'm going to kind of hop on and at the end talk about finale thoughts and things like that. But for the majority of today's episode, we are going to go over the intro of the White Lotus show, how they came up with the concept, some background on it, some casting. Then we're going to do some fun facts about season two and the interactions between the cast with each other because they were basically at this hotel, isolated, filming just with each other for a large bulk. And as we will get into it, it seems like there were some relationships that may or may not have happened. And then, of course, we're going to go through the cast and talk about their blind items. I'm talking everyone from F. Marie Abraham to Jennifer Coolidge to folks. I feel like Theo James and Aubrey Plaza are people that our generation at least knew of. Obviously, doing my research, I went, okay, Scarface and The Sopranos, there's also some other big hitters in here. So we're going to go over all of that, and I am excited for it. So stick around, and uh, if you are also looking for more episodes, patreon.com slash fluentlyforward. This past week, we talked about crypto millionaires dying. We talked about Jenna Ortega. We talked about Elliot Page, a bunch of things. All right, let's dive into The White Lotus. So a little bit of a background. This is an HBO show. It's now in its second season, and it has been renewed for a third. And I think kind of similar to HBO shows like Euphoria, the first episode or the first season gets the name out there. And the second season is when it really becomes uh, everyone in the country is watching this type of phenomenon. So this series is created by Mike White, and it basically follows both guests and employees of this fictional resort chain called The White Lotus. Season one took place in Hawaii. The second season took place in Sicily. I'm assuming that each season they will be in a different location. I hope they will, at least, because, you know, the background and the shots, it's gorgeous. It's half of the reason why I loved watching the show. And basically this series goes through a week in the life of these vacationers. So there's different folks. I think there's maybe four or five different plot lines happening in season two. And you follow everyone at the hotel and they come (laughs) with baggage of their own. Get it? But I'm not talking about the luggage. Anyway, everybody shows up with baggage and it's kind of this slow burn of a TV series where each episode gets a little bit darker and darker and darker until you get to the finale. And there's this looming overhead idea of who died because in the pilot episode, you see that somebody has died. And it's funny, I've talked about this with other TV shows that we've covered. There's such a concept in TV series to have a mystery or something that you want to solve at the beginning, right? You see this with Gossip Girl. Who's Gossip Girl? With Pretty Little Liars. Who's A? With How I Met Your Mother. Who's the mother? And even though they bring it up in the very first pilot episode, I feel like you're not watching the episode thinking about it. You're more interested in the drama until the end of the series wraps up and you go, oh damn, we're supposed to figure out the mystery from episode one. 
So that is basically what happens in the White Lotus. And the creator of this, Mike White, gave a little bit of, you know, a light onto this, saying that he wishes to explore the question of how, quote, money can pervert even our most intimate relationships to examine the ethics of vacationing in other people's realities and to present the flesh and blood experience of being gripped by the power dynamics of today's culture wars. So look at that as a whole scenario. I will say the first couple of episodes you're going, God, I wish I could be one of these people at the resort. And then as the episodes get darker, you go, thank God I'm not involved in this. So it's a very interesting, fun thing to watch. All right, fun facts. Let's get a little bit into the relationships between people on the show when they were filming it. Number one, there is a scene where Cameron, a.k.a. Theo James's character, in the very first episode, changes in front of the character Harper, who's played by Aubrey Plaza. And you do, I mean, it's HBO. You see a dangler, a little dangly dick. And let me take that back. It was not a little dangly dick. It's a monster cock, basically, is what you see. And, of course, the internet was ablaze going, is that really Theo James's actual pee-pee? So he discussed this on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. This is what he said. The truth of it was, so... You know, you go into these scenes and you have a conversation with the director and the producers and they go, okay, for this we're going to use a prosthetic, we're going to use something. And you say, okay, that sounds good. And they say, so okay. it is a prosthetic? It's a, yeah, it's a peepee prosthetic. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they, you have a conversation and the lovely Rebecca, who was the, uh, the makeup designer, comes up and she's uh-huh. like, you know, this is what they want to do, but obviously we want to have some input. Sure. So I said, honestly, I just want it not to be distracting. He needs to be regular Joe, because the scene's about, you know, it's not about the pee-pee, it's about power play and sex, it's, a, it's about, you know, yeah, whether, whether he did it deliberately or whether it was an accident and what that means and you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And she says, I got you, I got you. <laughs> so we get to set and she's got, like, a, a hammer or something. <laughs> like... I mean, it's bigger than that. It's like she stole it off a donkey in the field. <laughs> I mean, the thing is ginormous, and me and the director, Mike White, are sitting there going, that's average, is it? <laughs> the thing is ginormous. And it really was. So in case anyone was wondering, that penis that you saw was not Theo James's actual penis. Some more stuff. This was really interesting. So when they were first filming the series, the first few months of it, during February and March, they filmed it in an actual hotel, and it was during the off-season, so the hotel was practically empty, but then by April, the hotel was preparing to host real-life guests again, and they said that it was very meta because... A, you get to see how the hotel is being prepared. That's normally an experience none of us are privy to. And then two, check out this quote from Megan Fahey, who played Daphne in White Lotus. She says, quote, We were staying there while we were watching the employees get ready for everybody else to come. They were shampooing the carpets and they were painting the walls and there were huge flowers being brought in from every direction. And then you started seeing it fill in with real people. And that was kind of a strange experience because you're starting to mingle and sit at the bar or sit at breakfast next to people that you're, in a way, embodying for the sake of the show. So it was pretty interesting. Which, by the way, I kind of want to find out what hotel it is. Like, I'm sure this hotel is going to be booming with business now. God knows I wanted to stay at it. All right, something else. (laughs) This was an interesting point in an article I found. It says, Portia's wardrobe purposely looks like dot, 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 that. And that was something I definitely noticed. The character of Portia, who plays Jennifer Coolidge's assistant, 
is very decked out in Gen Z apparel, which I think is great for Instagram. But when you're at beautiful Sicily, you know, you kind of want to dress in neutrals, blend in with the scenery, I would think. And, you know, she's wearing these bright green sunglasses and turquoise crochet tops with like a watermelon on it that's saying YOLO swag, stuff like that. And they said that they definitely did this on purpose. So the costume designer, Alex Boviard, said this in Variety. Quote, I do try and keep in mind the demographic of the character so she doesn't have expensive clothes. Even her Versace-esque platform heels are definitely not Versace. She's young, she doesn't really know who she is, and she's trying on different ideas. Sometimes she dresses more dainty, and sometimes she dresses like a boy. She did bring a couple nice dresses because she knew she was going to dinner, but the price point is $100 to $200 or cheaper. All right, some other stuff that happened when they were filming. This got a lot of press, so you probably heard about this, but Aubrey Plaza said that she played a pretty elaborate and alarming prank on her co-star Adam DeMarco, who plays Albie. So basically when they were filming, she used the, you know, those reed sticks that are in different diffusers? Well, she would basically rearrange them in a large Blair Witch style symbol on the floor of his dressing room and try to freak him out. And then once he suspected her of being the prankster, she then started leaving those same reeds in like a occult symbol on her own dressing room floor. And she would scream when she found it and things like that. So apparently this went on for a while and she would target him herself and then convince him, quote, over bottles of red wine that it wasn't her. And he said, quote, I was definitely questioning my reality there for a second. I don't know who to trust. It was like murder on the Orient Express. Everyone was the murderer. And she goes, Adam was so innocent, like a baby bird. It was really sick what I was doing to him. I got him to the brink of a psychological break. Now, I also wanted to know who was bonding with who while they were filming because it seemed like it was a really locked down, close-knit group. So I was reading this GQ magazine with Adam DeMarco, who plays Albie, and he was talking about the two other characters that he spends a lot of time with, Bert as his father and Dominic as his actual father, so grandfather and father. So basically those two characters were played by these big hitter actors who we're gonna be getting into. One was in Scarface, one was in The Sopranos, and GQ Magazine was asking the character who plays Albie what was it like to you know work with those two people. And he said that when he was in Sicily, he finally watched The Godfather for the show and Megan Fahey, the girl who plays Daphne, watched it with him. And then they were going around to everyone being like, have you guys seen Scarface? It's really good. And then apparently they both also watched Sopranos together in Sicily. And then he said in the GQ magazine, I'm just nosy, you know, he said, Megan and I watched the first few episodes of The Sopranos. Then we got distracted watching Mike White's season of Survivor. I know Aubrey Plaza was watching it there a bit as well. So I find that interesting that the two of them are like cozy watching all of these episodes of TV and movies and Aubrey Plaza was watching it separate. Maybe I'm just reading into it because Aubrey Plaza's character was Harper, who seems like she wouldn't want to join a fun movie night. But anyway, I was like, oh, look at that. And they also asked in that magazine interview, who in the cast do you think is closest to their character in the show? And he said, honestly, most of us have a lot of ourselves in our character. I would say Michael Imperiori, who plays Dominic, his father, is the furthest from his character. Which, by the way, I feel like you have to say that because the character is like a philandering cheater. 
He continues, everyone slowly morphed into their characters at a certain point and then morphed back into themselves. But Mike White was really good at casting people who shared a lot of qualities with their characters. I know Haley's and my first meeting with Mike, he thought we were in character doing a bit, but we were literally just being ourselves. Caraway, Caraway, I am obsessed with my Caraway cookware products. It has completely changed the game in the kitchen for me. It made everything smoother and sleeker. First of all, cooking is now so effortless with Caraway products. They have this ceramic, naturally slick surface, which means that you no longer have to pour buckets of butter or olive oil on every time you want to make a fried egg. And people also forget half of the process of cooking is then cleaning up. And because of this fantastic materials that they're made out of, it's so easy to clean the pans. They're so aesthetically pleasing to look at. It just makes everything a joy in the kitchen. They're just number one for a reason. Over 30,000 people have raved about their caraway kitchen and now it is time to try it for yourself and it's perfect timing so you can visit carawayhome.com to take advantage of their cyber season event and you can score up to 20% off of your next purchase of non-toxic kitchenware this deal is not going to last long so visit carawayhome.com to shop all of their incredible products for up to 20% off this holiday season caraway so without further ado, let's get into the individual cast members of this, talk a little bit about them, and then also their blind items. F. Murray Abraham, he played Bert DeGrasso. He was the grandfather in the show. And he is, from what I was looking up on Wikipedia, obviously a big deal type of person. I didn't know he was a big deal type of person, although he does have that type of energy, but together we're going to find out, you know, what's up with him. He was really widely known in the 1980s. He got an Academy Award for playing the role of Antonio Salieri in the role Amadeus, in the movie Amadeus. And then he's also been in a bunch of big films. Obviously, he's been in Scarface. He's been in Star Trek. He's been in Grand Budapest Hotel, Isle of Dogs. Those are some recent ones. All the President's Men, like... I don't want to say, what can I say? I'm 29. I haven't seen a lot of these movies, but I do know that they're legends. So what a man. Now, other interesting facts about him. His mother, Italian-American, she was one of 14 children. How insane is that? And then he also had two younger brothers, Robert and Jack, who were killed in separate car accidents, which I just... You know, obviously there's that scene in White Lotus where they're talking about the Godfather and the car scene that blows up. So I just thought that was an interesting thing to note. Now, after he won his Academy Award, he kind of had a low profile film career. He didn't really blow up after that. And a lot of people considered him uh, a victim of the Oscar jinks. So there was this film critic, Leonard Maltin, and he basically coined something called F. Murray Abraham syndrome. And that's when you have a professional failure following early success. So somebody asked F. Murray Abraham about this and he rejected it. And he said, quote, the Oscar is the single most important event of my career. I have dined with kings, shared equal billing with my idols, lectured at Harvard and Columbia. If this is a jinx, I'll take two. Which by the way, doesn't, what a, what a way to respond. That just makes me feel so fantastic hearing that. It's such a positive, fresh outlook. And not to, I know I bring up Taylor Swift a lot on here, but this is just the first relation that popped into my mind. We talked about this in the analyzing Taylor Swift episode with Kate Kennedy, but 
when Taylor Swift won her Woman of the Decade Award, I just remember being so turned off by her speech because she was talking about how it was so hard to get to where she was and people always criticize her because she's a woman and she has to try that much harder because of it. And it's like, girl, you're the woman of the decade. You're number one. And instead of, you know, enjoying this moment, you're you're just telling us all how it was so hard for you, but you're number one. That makes me feel like it's gonna be impossible for the rest of us. So Abraham responding to that notion of his Oscar jinx and basically just saying, hey, if that's a jinx, not so bad. I think it's such a, how would you say it? It's such a refreshing thing to hear from an actor and actress because typically those Holly weird people are saying, this Oscar is not enough because you don't respect me. I also need to do, you know, something in my name and I need to drop an album and you need to buy my clothing line. It's all never enough, never enough. And for F. Murray Abraham to basically say, I got an Oscar, that's awesome. What else do I want? So in the same interview, he also said, quote, even though I won the Oscar, I can still take the subway in New York and nobody recognizes me. Some actors might find that disconcerting, but I find it refreshing. Look at that, lovely. So he married a woman named Kate Hannon. They've been married since 1962. They've got two children and one grandchild. And now we're gonna get into his blind items. We've got two of them. Number one. Reader Blind. It is a part of Hollywood legend how success went to the head of this Oscar-winning, Oscar-nominated, Emmy-nominated actor. From ridiculous diva behavior to impossible demands, he has damaged his career for a while. It is interesting to note he has not had another lead role in a major movie since his big win, although he has been part of a popular TV series in recent years. One of the things he started asking for at the peak of his success was connected to a particular fetish he has. He likes tall, strong women, and he likes it when they lift him and carry him around. This gives him a sexual thrill. Back in the day, he made an entrance at a few public events being carried in by giant Amazon women, which did not help his reputation at the time. So let me know. They say that's about F. Murray Abraham. I'm trying to find photos of him being carried by women and I can't find them. So let me know if you think that's him or someone else. And then we have another blind that is allegedly about him. This very aging, fantastic actor who has had some great roles in great movies but has never really been more than B-minus list was caught by flight attendants while he was um, being handled by his assistant on a recent flight. All right, up next we have Jennifer Coolidge as Tanya and she was also in season one of The White Lotus and she came back for season two. Everyone knows Jennifer Coolidge. She's known for her role in comedic movies and she's basically been I'm just going to shout out a bunch of names of movies these are ones that she's starred in you've definitely seen her before American Pie Legally Blonde For Your Consideration Best in Show A Cinderella Story Click Date Movie Epic Movie Like a Boss Promising Young Woman Single All the Way and of course uh she has been in The White Lotus and she ended up winning an Emmy award for it which by the way Maybe I'll have to watch her scenes in season one with it. I think she's such a gem. Everyone feels that way about Jennifer Coolidge. That being said, her role, at least in season two, it's not really giving Emmy. It is giving funny, but obviously I haven't seen season one, so let me know. Uh, she's also an alumnus of The Groundlings, which is an improv and sketch comedy troupe in L.A., so I always like that when people are involved in comedy you know, they get the training and then they also participate in comedy movies and things like that. 
So this is a little fun fact. When she was in New York, she worked as a waitress in a restaurant alongside another aspiring actress, Sandra Bullock, which I think is pretty fun. Uh, she has dated different comedians in her life. Let's see other fun facts. She's got two homes in New Orleans because she used to visit New Orleans up to 10 times a year over the last 10 years. So she really loves New Orleans. And check this out in Wikipedia. They say, let me read this quote here. She is also known for her support of the LGBT plus community and is widely considered to be a gay icon. She is, and I don't know when that started. You know, like, was it around the Legally Blonde era or was it afterwards? They definitely play into that and reference it in season two of White Lotus. Now, the blind items about her are fun and happy. So here we go. Emmy Awards. Why, yes, this crowd favorite was a very happy drunk last night and she would be the first to admit it. Emmy Awards Kindness. This B-list, mostly TV actress who was more known for her husky voice, great curves, and some really funny roles in a few great movies was really tipsy when she made her way into an after party. Three women were standing outside trying to take photos of celebrities and were really disappointed that one didn't stop to take photos. Our actress grabbed them and said they could get a much better photo inside. When a security guard tried to stop them, our actress name-dropped the head of the network that was holding the party and said the women were his nieces. She got them in. What big-boned funny gal has been mouthing off on red carpets lately about an A-list bubbly blonde she once worked with, Reese Witherspoon? claiming she doesn't eat. She's been overheard complaining about the actress, who's currently romancing a fellow superstar actor, despite a high-profile divorce that was finalized four months ago, which would be Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, most recently at a live Earth event at Smart House in Venice, California. The big-boned lady thinks her skinny sister sets a bad example for young girls. And this, by the way, most all of these blind items I'm reading to you are like 10 years old. And then the last blind item here for Jennifer Coolidge. This B-list actress with the great voice and some of the best supporting roles ever usually plays sexy. Well, always sexy, even if she's playing a mom to a college student. Anyway, not too long ago, she had entered the dating pool after a long absence, and she was having phone sex with a guy she had just started dating, and she could hear him watching a movie that sounded familiar. It turns out he was watching one of her movies, but he seemed to get more excited when a different actress was on the screen, Shannon Elizabeth. She asked him, and he said he was more turned on by the other actress, but she was great too, but he was wondering if she could introduce him to the other actress. Our actress hung up. Now look, all blind items are kind of fantastical, but I just find that so bizarre. Like, you're having phone sex with a guy, and he's watching one of your movies. I would be like, pay attention, we're having phone sex. Why are you watching a movie? But let me know what you think of that one. Tis the season. It is the season for sales, and it is the season to try new things. I want to talk to you about America's best value meal kit. I am talking about Every Plate. Every Plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping, and the reason I love using meal kits, I live alone. And sometimes you want to cook a fun recipe, maybe something you saw online. You don't want to buy an entire bottle of mustard just to use a squirt of it in your recipe. And what every plate does is that they will send you meal kits direct to your doorstep. You get to pick what type of recipe you want. They have these um, changing recipes that you can choose 21 different ones every week. And they will send you the right proportions of ingredients, exactly what you need for your recipe. So if you want to try every plate, you can get your first box for just $1.49 per meal going to everyplate.com and you enter the code 
fluently149. So once again, you go to everyplate.com and enter code fluently149. So that is a $110 value that you will be getting there. All right, up next, Adam DeMarco, who played Albie DeGrasso, the son of the family of three men. Now, there's no blinds on him, and there's not much of anything about him. He has a Wikipedia page. It's in Spanish, I think. It's very limited, and it doesn't even mention that he's in White Lotus. I'm like, his manager needs to get on that. You need a Wikipedia page. Some creeps out there are trying to do podcast episodes about you. Come on. So he's 32, he's Canadian, and he's also a musician. He actually inspired the storyline where the piano player gets fucked. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's not true, but he is a musician. He starred in the 2012 Disney Channel film Radio Rebel opposite Debbie Ryan. He's also been in Charmed, the reboots of Charmed, and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, plus The Magicians in the Order, and also one episode of The Good Doctor. That's enough to have a Wikipedia page. I hope he gets one up and running, at least as of December 6th. He did not have a good one. And yeah, he's also pursuing a music career. Uh, He goes by the name Good One as a musician, and he's got two singles, Come Around and Sleepwalk, and he promotes his music on Instagram. He should also be promoting it on Wikipedia. You know what I say? By the way, if you haven't yet, give your $2 to Wikipedia. Isn't it so sad the way they ask every year? I'm such a sucker for it. I always donate. All right, up next, Megan Fahey as Daphne Sullivan. She right now, I mean, we still have the finale to get to. I will be mentioning finale thoughts at the end. She's my favorite because she's so she plays such a carefree, smiley, infectious you know, easygoing, light, breezy, can get along with everyone. God, I'm really throwing a lot of adjectives in there. Character, but as the series goes on, you find out how dark she is. And that exchange between her and Harper, where she talks about her trainer in the city, and she shows a picture of her kids, and you can tell that one of the kids is the trainer's kid with the bright blonde hair and the blue eyes. Very fascinating. I, I'm dying to see more of her. So I actually knew of her, a lot of people did, because she was in a TV show called The Bold Type, where she played Sutton, Sutton Brady. And The Bold Type is a great junk food TV show. It's completely unrealistic, because it's three young girls in Manhattan, and they all work for this magazine that's kind of a ripoff of Cosmopolitan. And of course, on their magazine budgets, they live in these nice apartments. And even though I did the mapping as someone who lives in New York, and they're always like, oh, you know what? I'll just catch you at your apartment. I'll see you later. There was at one point, one of them, I think, was living on the Upper East and the other was in Brooklyn. And they're just going back and forth to each other's houses like it's nothing. That's like 40 minutes on the subway. Anyway, but it's a great junk food TV show. You know, you can watch it on the couch as you're scrolling Instagram and things like that. Uh, She's also been in, let's see, an ABC daytime soap opera called One Life to Live. And she's done some work on Broadway. She actually grew up in theater. Oh, and she was in one Gossip Girl episode. Anyway, so she grew up doing theater, then transitioned over to mostly acting, uh, got her first big role in the bold type. And I think now... After her appearance in White Lotus, she's going to kind of be like a rising star type of thing. Because let's be honest, it was only chicks who were watching The Bold Type. So I don't think anyone really knew of her before White Lotus. Now, some interesting stuff about her love life. She was, a lot of people thought that she was dating Billy Magnuson. He 
is the star. I don't know if anyone watched. I feel like I haven't seen too many people talking about it. There's a new series called Made for Love, and he plays this. It's pretty good. It's like, you know, I saw a couple episodes. He plays this billionaire, tycoon, creepy, stalker, obsessive guy. Anyway, so he's in that show. He was also in No Time to Die, Game Night. He's just an actor. And they had been together for a little bit. I don't think they are anymore. So they met in 2011. They were doing a Hallmark flick called The Lost Valentine. But it seems like they didn't start dating until 2017, so not until six years later. Now, that being said, photos of them were on Instagram, but the last one that he had of her or with her on his Instagram is from May 2020, and both of them no longer follow each other on social media, so it seems like they haven't been together in the last couple of years. Their last red carpet appearance was January 2020, and she doesn't have any photos on Instagram that feature him. Now, Leo Woodall, he plays the British guy, if you're far enough into the episode, otherwise skip forward 15 seconds, who ends up being a sex worker. Oh, remember that turn? I was like, <gasps> when I found out that twist at the end, I was like not expecting it. Anyway, people are suspecting that Leo and Megan kind of got close to each other during White Lotus. And yes, I am still blocked by Dumois, but I went on her like subreddit to find things about people. And apparently Dumois has said that Leo Woodall and Megan Fahey are in a relationship. So they've been leaving flirty comments on each other's Instagram pictures. Although I think this is so funny. Megan commented on a photo of him in a pool and she said, quote, wow, the great photograph must've been taken by a real gem. And then he joked back to her, wonder who. So I think that's funny that like celebrities are just as cringe as us being like, oh my God, like who took that photo? And then everyone goes, okay, you guys are dating. Like, why is that such a phrase to give away that somebody's dating? Now, also recently, just a couple days ago, there was a New Yorker article where they interviewed Megan Fahey and she was going to a comedy show, something like that. And she was picking up merch or I think it was like Eminem was doing something. Anyway, and the New Yorker article mentions this quote, she buys merch t-shirt. Quote, she bought two, one for herself and one for Leo Badal, a British actor she befriended while in Sicily filming The White Lotus. Quote, we lived there for like two and a half months and we all hung out with each other a ton because it was like a ghost town. And then she said that she and Woodall bonded as fellow slim shady stands. Quote, he can do all the freestyles from the film. Mm, I think he's more than a friend because why else weren't you buying a t-shirt for Aubrey Plaza and Adam DeMarco? You know what I mean? So there we go. And she has no blind items, but let's hope she does soon. Now, Michael Imperioli, he played Dominic DeGrasso, the father of the three, or the father in the group of three men that were coming to Sicily. He was a very interesting character. I'm excited. I Weren't you just wondering the entire show, if you do not want the two uh, Italian sex workers at your hotel, take them off your room. That would be very easy. You don't have to keep going up to them and saying, stop being here. Take them off your room and then they can't get in. Anyway, that, that whole storyline really stressed me out. So he is also a big hitter. He was in The Sopranos. Have you guys seen The Sopranos? I haven't. And I'm so sorry, but I know he's a big deal. And he's gotten uh, an Emmy Award for it in 2004. And then he was also in Goodfellas. So he's been in a bunch of uh, well-renowned things. And it's really funny. Maybe it's just that look of his tan skin with the gray hair, 
But him playing a Hollywood executive in White Lotus made so much sense because the minute I saw him on screen, I was like, that's a well-to-do person. That's someone who's been like very established. Now, interestingly enough, he was planning on attending pre-med at Columbia University, but instead he ended up studying acting, so he could have been a doctor. He married Victoria Chablowski in 1996. They've got homes in the Upper West Side of Manhattan and Santa Barbara, California. Three children, and him and his family are active practitioners of taekwondo and in 2008 he became a buddhist so there we go we have got just one blind item on him which married sopranos actor has been having an affair with an actress who will appear in the series later this season and that is allegedly about him and juliana margulies Okay, up next, Theo James played Cameron Sullivan in the show, and I feel like everybody was going nuts for Theo James. Um, Is he cute? Yes, just so not my type. If anyone's like a 10 out of 10 cute, they're not my type, because Theo James is cute, but he's the type of cute where, let me know if you relate to this, girls, sometimes you see a guy and they're cute, but the type of cute where you just go, I'm going to cover my drink. You know, it's just, he's cute in like a lacrosse player would roofie your drink frat guy type of way, which kind of frightens me. But he's, I mean, he's certainly very attractive. So a lot of people got to know him because he played four in the Divergent series. (laughs) I'm going to rewatch the Divergent series. It feels like a good weekend to do that. And then he's also been in some sci-fi films, some action films. In television, he was in Golden Boy, The Time Traveler's Wife, and of course, White Lotus. And he's notoriously very private, not super on social media, and girls are like obsessed with him. He is married to an Irish actress, Ruth Kearney. Good on ya. Uh, They met at theater school, and they divide their time between Venice Beach, California, and North London. How gorgeous. And they have a daughter who was born in 2021. Outside of acting, he also was a singer and a guitarist for a London-based band, uh, and then they, they disbanded in 2012. And in 2015, he became the brand ambassador for Hugo Boss Fragrances for Men, which... I feel like that just fits. You know what I mean? I could see that man in a perfume or a watch commercial very easily. Now let's get into his blind items, right? Why not? This foreign-born, former A-list, mostly movie actor is probably A-minus, B-plus list now because there's been no follow-up to that franchise of his. He's already getting treatment for thinning hair. The actor everyone thinks is super hot is going to end up with Nicolas Cage hair, which is why he is starting now. And that blind item was from 2018. And it's funny because I am looking at photos in 2018 and his hair does look a little bit thinner, but whatever he's doing, it's certainly working because his hair looks great in this series. And also thinning hair is nothing to be ashamed about. Our hair all thins. We're all going to end up with thinning hair. Have you guys tried that rosemary oil stuff? I think I'm going to try it. Everyone on TikTok says if you put rosemary oil around your hair, it like helps with thinning. So... Maybe he's doing that. We can all do it together. All right. Now, this blind item is not specifically about him, but there's three people it could be about, and he's one of them. So I'll read it. You let me know who you think. This foreign-born B-list mostly movie actor who makes his living now in a franchise made his fame in one installment of a franchise. On a flight this week, he was seated next to a woman, and they were engaged in some under-the-blanket activity. They got busted by a flight attendant. Our actor pleaded ignorance, but the flight attendant pointed down, and our actor had his fly open and manhood out. 
and they say that could be about Sam Worthington, Chris Hemsworth, or Theo James. Now, some divergent stuff. Check out this blind item. These two actors, both of them B-list with A-list name recognition, have been secretly seeing each other romantically ever since they did a lip lock on screen in that notorious box office bomb. They're both bisexual, and both of their families know about this relationship. What seals the deal is that they gave each other bracelets with their zodiac signs. And that's allegedly about Shailene Woodley, who's a Scorpio, and Theo James, who's a Sagittarius. You didn't even have to say that they were bisexual. You could have just said they gave each other bracelets with their zodiac signs, and we could have all guessed. (laughs) Anyway, okay, the next blind item. Another reason why actors and actresses stay closeted is this A minus B plus list mostly movie actress from a franchise. She cracked open the door in her closet and the studio basically shamed her and accused her of trying to sabotage the franchise. So that is about Shailene Woodley, but Theo James is associated with it because it's part of the Divergent series. They also have Ansel Elgort in it, Miles Teller. Hmm, maybe we'll do a Divergent episode one day because I feel like those are like four big names. All right. Aubrey Plaza was in White Lotus. I'm just going to do this quickly because if you have listened to our Parks and Rec, it's a public episode. We obviously talk about Aubrey Plaza. So I'll just go through quick because you probably already heard about her or you can check it out. We got timestamps everywhere if you want to check out her section. Um, She was a page, an NBC page, many different internships, worked a lot in comedy, um, been in a relationship with writer and director Jeff Baina since 2011. Looks like they got married in 2021 because she referred to that in an Instagram post and has said in 2016, quote, girls are into me. That's no secret. Hey, I'm into them too. I fall in love with girls and guys. I can't help it. Let's go. Put a Zodiac bracelet on her, baby. Join the club. And the blind items about her were basically Justin Thoreau playing mind games with her head, dying to hook up with her for months. They finally hook up and then him ghosting her afterwards. And her husband, back in the day boyfriend at the time of this blind item, allegedly cheating on her with his PR assistant person that was helping out on his team. So there we go. If you want the full rundown on her, head over to the Parks and Rec episode. All right, Haley Lou Richardson, she played Portia, the Gen Zer at White Lotus. She has been in TV roles uh, for Shake It Up, for Ravenswood, and then she was in the Edge of Seventeen film and Split, that psychological horror film. And what I thought was really cute is she's been crocheting since the age of eight, and she's got an Etsy uh, shop where she sells accessories and crocheted clothing, and they worked that into the show because a lot of her outfits were crochet, so they put that in here. Now, there's just one blind item on her, and it says, Daggers, from this A-minus list, mostly TV actress from a hit almost network show towards the co-star of her actor boyfriend. So Lily Reinhardt shooting daggers at Haley who was the co-star of her boyfriend, Cole Sprouse. Our television actress, Lily, knows the pair hooked up while filming a movie and seethes about it daily. All right, Will Sharp, he played Ethan Spiller, Harper's husband, who had just come into a lot of money and became a one-one percenter. He's an English actor, writer, director, born in London, raised in Tokyo until the age of eight. He's best known for writing, directing, and starring in the dark comedy drama Flowers. And he's also one of these folks who's kind of new, very, very short Wikipedia page. And 
no blind item was whatsoever. Now that's about it for everybody who is relatively known in the show. You know, there's some other people who came on here. Of course, we have like Leo Woodall who played Jack, the British guy. And then we have the Italian actors and actresses who were the employees at the hotel or the sex workers visiting the hotel daily. (laughs) And there just really wasn't any blind items about them. But let's hope that White Lotus springs all of these people into a new tier in Hollywood and we'll be getting more blind items about them. So that is it for this part of the episode. And I will be checking back in to uh, give you my thoughts on the finale right after I watch it. So I will see you in a couple seconds for that. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, I just finished the finale. It's a little bit after midnight here on Sunday. So much to get to, so many thoughts. And also, before we get into the thoughts, two new things that have come up since I recorded the initial one. The first one is we have a blindaloon, a bloondaloon. <laughs> now, this blind item came out a couple days ago. It says, A new entrant to the season of the pay cable hit, which is better than even the first season, has never been more popular. That means her longtime significant other is also under a microscope and all of the women that he cheats with are coming forward saying they never knew he had a significant other. Now, there's two people that this blind item could be about, but everyone basically is saying it's about White Lotus. It could allegedly be about Megan Fahey and Billy Magnuson, even though, like I mentioned before in our research, it really does seem like they broke up in 2020. And then other people are saying that it could be about Aubrey Plaza and her man, even though he's her husband, not her significant other. So that one hasn't been revealed yet by NT, but that is a new blind item. And then also just in, you know, recent news, Daphne and Albie, just like using the character names, were seen at a hockey game. And everybody in the comments was going, oh my god, they're at the hockey game together. And then a lot of people in the comments were saying in reference to Albie, the, uh, what would you call it, the manicured fingernail and hand emoji, if you get my drift. So there we go. Now, that being said, there are new profiles popping up on TikTok, and this is my favorite type of thing to see now, and it is profiles of celebrities on Raya, which, by the way, (laughs) you'll never see me there. I have six referrals, and they won't let me on, but the next best thing is obviously stalking these accounts where, you know, they invade people's privacy and put up photos of people who are on Raya. And anyway, so Albie was on there. I don't know. I don't know which way he swings. Who knows? But those are the updates. And now we're going to get into some finale thoughts. I was not expecting Tanya to die and how unexpected that she kills all of those men and is about to get away with it until she's clumsy and kills herself through that. My jaw literally dropped open when she boing hit her head on the railing. Weren't you just screaming too the entire time? Girl, get off the boat. Get off the boat and swim onto the other boat. I also thought too that there must be some sort of twist and they weren't actually going to kill her, but no, they were. Now, people online were saying, oh, this sucks. This means that Greg is going to end up with the money because Tanya died. But I know that it's a fictional world, but whatever. Let's meander down the path. People were saying that actually wouldn't 
happen because with all of the dead men on the yacht and Tanya's body in the water, the police would obviously be investigating and knowing that there was a crime scene and this wasn't an accidental death. So does that mean that if somebody dies on purpose in a prenup, they don't get the money? I don't know much about prenups. Now let's check on in. Uh, well, actually, let's let's stay there a little bit for Tanya and Portia. What I love to do and what makes watching TV shows like this stressful sometimes is don't you always wonder, what would I do if I was in her position? The minute Portia found out on the phone that Jack was fucking his funkle, a fake uncle, <laughs> I would have gone along. You know what I mean? I would have just gone along with the bit to save my own life. How insane to get inside of a locked car with someone and then say, hi, I know everything about you. Girl, you're stupid. So let me know what you would have done in Portia's place. Okay, who next is left? We have the three uh, father, son, grandfather. Albie getting completely played. The father playing Albie and the grandfather fucking bricked up, dude, <laughs> the entire series. So... They were all safe. We'll see what happens with them. Nothing too, too interesting there. I think we all knew what was going to happen with um, Albie and Lucia. And lastly, the foursome and moresome. And when I say foursome, you better believe it. I'm talking about Daphne, Cameron, Ethan, and Harper. What do we think happened with Harper and Cameron? Because here's the thing. When Harper was confessing to Ethan about... Cameron latching the door and they just kissed in my head I went she's playing him she's doing the exact same thing that he did to her which is tell the truth about a very sketchy scenario say that it was just a kiss and then watch how the other person gets infuriated because that sketchy scenario they should have never put themselves in that position so when Harper was saying that I was like oh she's lying she's playing him and then when Ethan went what about the hat Suddenly I was like, yeah, I have no idea what happened because why would Harper have premeditatively texted Ethan, oh, I'm going upstairs to get my hat if she didn't think something was going to happen? So I don't know. We'll have to do polls this week over on Instagram. Do you think that Cameron and Harper hooked up? Now, Daphne and Ethan. Daphne really, to me, was the clear, most interesting character of this season. And her face when Ethan suggests that Harper and Cameron could have gotten together and you watch her be disappointed, come to the realization, reckon with it, and then go, you know what? I'm going to fuck Ethan. I think that's what happened. Why else would you walk to an island with a little come hither motion and eye contact like that? They definitely had to doink on the island, right? Oh my God. I thought I wanted to be rich when I started watching this show. And now I would no longer like to have a rich husband because doesn't that just sound crazy? Like, I don't know. They all seem like these weird dark triad people that would just morally corrupt you. Other thoughts that I had, I thought it was so funny, the scene of the three men at the airport when that hot woman walks by and all three of them throughout the different generations turn and ogle at her. I, would I want to watch this or not? I don't know, but I am interested just in the psyche of men and sex and how obsessed with sex they are, you know? Other notes, Aubrey Plaza 
in pale light pink colors absolutely stunning I loved her in that light pink dress at dinner I thought she looked gorgeous and in the other scene where she was wearing the pale yellow nightgown trying to seduce Ethan I feel like we typically only see Aubrey Plaza in black dark colored clothes when she's playing April Ludgate that type of character and she looks very gorgeous in a feminine pastel now other interesting thoughts that I saw on reddit because this is what makes a weekly show so fun is heading over to the forums afterwards and seeing what everybody thinks people were talking about the scene where Daphne is facetiming her kids and Cameron is flossing his teeth in the bathroom and she keeps calling him in to see the kids he's pissed off doesn't want to do it finally comes in and goes hey kids how's it going now, at first, I thought, yeah, he's just not that great of a person. He doesn't really give a shit about his kids. People on Reddit were saying he knows those aren't his kids and he doesn't love them. But he can't let Daphne know that he knows that they're not the kids. Everybody's just putting on these fake facades. And I was like, oh, God, that's kind of dark and kind of interesting, too. So let me know what you think about that. I am just so excited. This was a very good show and I'm really looking forward to season three. Will it be happening in the Maldives like they kind of referenced in this episode? We will find out. So stick around, head on over to Instagram. I've got queued up some posts that we'll be sending out this week of behind the scenes photos. And on Instagram too, we will be doing polls about all of these different theories going around. And also what would you have done if you are in Portia's shoes. So check that out. And thank you so much for hanging out with me for this hour, a little late night podcasting. And I will see you next week for another episode of Fluently Forward. Bye guys.